Lord, we don't want this to be man-made church. We want it to be God-made, and we've already sensed your presence here, and now, Lord, it is our prayer that you'll speak through this man, Lord, that you'll touch my lips with that hot coal and prepare our hearts to receive. Lord, you know everything that needs to be said today, and I pray for victory in the lives of our people. I pray, Lord, if there needs to be conviction, that that would be there and, and that they would uh, repent if there's sin in their life. If they need to be encouraged, Lord, that you would lift them up today as only you can. If they need a healing, whether it's spiritual, physical, or mental, Lord, God, just minister to each as, as the, the need is there. And Lord, we just commit and dedicate this day, this service into your hands. Have your way with each of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Developing a servant's heart. So some Sundays you come in here, and it obviously is geared more toward salvation, more toward people getting right with the Lord, and, and that's good. We need those messages. But today is for the church. Uh, obviously, the title pretty much speaks for itself. But before I jump into this, what I wanted to show you first, and I already showed you this, our version of it, but this is our new sign, and this is the rendition that the, the sign company came up with. So the one on the left, obviously, is the one that's there. The one on the right is how it's going to look when they're finished with it. Uh, we were getting worried because we hadn't heard from them, but it, they came up, they did their measurements, and now they're building it, and it should be in hopefully by early February, so... And whew, I can't wait. But one of the questions that kept coming out with this is, so if I write a check, do I still make it out to Mount Hope Church or the Hope? And I'll have to let you know that, but right now I'll keep making it out to Mount Hope Church until I find out if the bank will accept it if it just says the Hope. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we want to be able to cash your check. <clears throat> The hope. That's what we're all about. The hope. I found a couple of scriptures that actually bear this out. Matthew 12, verse 17. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. Who are we talking about here? Jesus. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to all the nations. Amen? He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public, which is what we see a lot of people doing today, isn't it? Not Jesus. You know, I have to ask the question as Christians, and there's times to be vocal, but as Christians, should we be out in the streets fighting with people, raising our voice? I guess that's something all of us need to, to deal with. Jesus, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. And this is the verse with a little bit of emphasis. And his name will be the hope of the world. Hallelujah. That's what we're all about, the hope. Who's the hope? Jesus. So when people see the sign, they're going to think, oh, the hope. But we're going to know what it's really referring to. It's referring to Jesus. And then one other one. 
Hebrews 10:23. This was the New Century version. Let us hope firmly. Let excuse me. Let us hold firmly to the hope that we have confessed, because we can trust God to do what He's promised. This is the other side of it. Everything Jesus said is truth, and we can believe that what is in our Bible, we can hang on to that. It's it's a promise from God. And one of the things that is important for Christianity to be successful is that we hang on to his promises. He is faithful and just. And he will, he will fulfill those promises if you don't give up. Jesus is the hope and we are his what? Starts with an A. Somebody that represents another is called a an ambassador. We are his ambassadors. Point to your neighbor and say, you're an ambassador. We don't always like to be called an ambassador. Now listen, when I go to Florida and I get that buff bod on and I'm all tanned up and I go to the beach, I don't want to be an ambassador. (laughs) Says the white pasty guy over here. I'm messing with you, Jeremiah. Love you, brother. I'm kidding about that. We should be his ambassador everywhere we go, in the store. And and I'll be the first one to admit, there are times I go to Myers and I do not feel like smiling, especially if I'm alone like this weekend. So if you saw me over there yesterday, sorry. I tried to put a face on, but my wife wasn't with me, so you've heard that story. She goes ahead of me, everybody smiles, they get to me and they're like, I'm like, wow, that hurts. We're all about the hope. I trust that if you've been coming here for any length of time, you realize that our number one priority, say number one priority, is to get people to the place where they experience God's love. Listen, you and I can't do anything. We, we can love on people, we can be their friend and all that, but only God can do the work inside. We've got to get them to that place where they realize, I need God. I need his love. I need that hope that you're talking about. And that's why we are a God-first kind of church. Because if God ain't in your life, nothing else is going to make sense. If God ain't in your life, excuse me for my poor English, you're going to be a mess until you change that priority. Hopefully, as you become part of this body, you will eventually learn to love the one who was sent to reveal God's love. I'm talking about Jesus, of course. Amen? Second, first is we want people to understand it and sense the love of God to come to him. Second, we are the body of Christ, right? Not this body, this is part of the body, but the body that's sitting next to you. We need each other. We can't do church on our own, and God doesn't expect us to. We're here to help you see the importance of fellowship, of partnering with others in the name of Jesus. We saw that last Sunday and Monday as we all rallied around Denny Padgett and his family, and I saw him in here somewhere. Where is he? God bless you. And your mom and dad, I see you here today. God bless you. I just want to say as a pastor, I'm proud of all of you because 
you really stepped it up both Sunday night and Monday, and, and, and they needed it, and they still need it. So keep praying for them as they, they work through this, this terrible tragedy that only God can turn around to the good. We need each other. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. But on the flip side, when one of us gets the victory, we all celebrate that victory. And I believe God has placed us together as a family for such a time as this. And our family is growing. And that's good news. Finally, the third thing, we are here to serve. Together. We are here to serve together. As we join our resources, our talents, and our love, there is little that we cannot do. There's so many things coming this year. So many things God wants to do in this local church and in the church at large. As the Assemblies of God says, we're better together. I've noticed a lot of other people are starting to use that tagline, so it may get mixed up with some others before too long. We're better together. Romans 8, 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The NLT says, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. When we come together, brother and sister, we can do great things for the kingdom of God. And we're all about that. We're more than conquerors through Christ who gives us overwhelming victory over our enemies. Praise the Lord. To sum this up, the people of the hope are here to love God. Say it with me. Love God. Love people. Love to serve. I recently ran across an article and I'm just shifting gears for a minute because I wanted to bring a, a, a contemporary application here. In this article, I was surprised about who was in it. How many of you know who Russell Brand is, the actor? <laughs> is it because you read the article that I read? <laughs> now, if you knew of Russell Brand, you might not think too highly of him in the sense of his faith. However, I found some things out. This is Russell Brand, if you didn't know him. In a relevant magazine article titled The Second Coming of Russell Brand, hopefully nobody here is, is, uh, thinks that's sacrilegious. It's just the name of the, the article. And it's by Jesse Carey. And he, he, Russell was quoted as saying, and I was really surprised by this, my personal feeling is the teachings of Christ are more relevant now than they've ever been. What? Russell Brand said that? Go back to the, the name of this article, The Second Coming. Russell Brand has been born again. Yeah. Apparently he got himself some Jesus. As so many of us have, praise the Lord. <laughs> The only reason that I wanted to bring him up today is that when I think of the power of God and how he can change any individual, and I lump myself into that, Russell would be one of them that I would say, wow, only God could have done that. After struggling with alcoholism and nearly killing himself, 
He began to ask questions about God, and then God showed up. How many know that that's how he works? Russell admits that he's no theologian, but he had some of these really deep insights that I wanted to share with you today. And one of them is Brand feels that our culture needs to recover. People, and specifically our culture, is sick. It needs a doctor. Can I ask you a question? Is there a doctor in the house? I'm not talking about Dr. B. You know it, right? Yes. Yes, I believe there's a doctor in the house. Luke 5, 31 to 32, Jesus answered and said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous, not to... I have come, I have not, there it is, I have not come, I can read, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Dr. Jesus, listen, we all need him, don't we? Each and every one of us needs the Savior, and it's got to be our starting point. Russell spoke of how he was changed by the renewing of his mind and by replacing his old stinking thinking, that's my word, not his, with the thinking of Christ. As I was studying this week, I ran across an article, just a little blurb about Pastor Kevin Berry, the senior pastor of our mother church in Lansing. Recently, he preached a sermon on how we could do this. And, and in it, for those who want to renew their mind in Christ, there's one simple step that we need to take. Say this with me. The more you put Jesus in, the less room there is for the unhealthy. So if you're struggling with some kind of sin, some kind of whatever, all right? Right here. How do you put Jesus in? Reading the Word. Got to be number one, right? Prayer. Spending time in church. Listen, if you're messed up, you need to be in the hospital. This is a spiritual hospital. You could go sit on a bar stool and you could have a few drinks. Is anything going to change? But you come into the hospital, the church, you come in, you get prayed for, you begin to pray for yourself. You read the word, you hang on to his promises, and your life will be victorious in Christ. I know it's good preaching. Yet, how many of us don't follow this prescription? Come on. What's a sign of a healthy church? When people are doing this. I know nobody's perfect. I know we all make mistakes. Right? But as long as you just keep going back after them and you keep putting more of him in than all the other stuff around you, you are going to make it, not just make it, you're going to be victorious. And think about this. The last place, <laughs> I love this, the last place that the devil wants to be is in some Christian's mind that's wrapped up in Jesus' stuff, thoughts, quotes from the Bible, etc. right? So are you struggling with sin? Get your Bible out and start filling your mind with God thoughts. Make it a habit to listen to spirit-filled, and I say spirit-filled preachers because there's power in their language. And I've heard some non-spirit-filled preachers that do a really good job. They're great orators, and I'm not 
I'm not coming against him. But I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe he's still resident and evident today, and we need to practice Spirit-filled lives. We need the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's a whole nother message. By doing so, you and I will eventually have what the Apostle Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 2. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. So if you're spiritual, others have no business meddling in your life. All right? For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things for what? We have the mind of Christ. Say that with me again. We have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? Because we're... (laughs) If you're not doing this, you don't have the mind of Christ. You need to get involved in Bible studies. You need to, and if you can't do it here, you need to do it on your own. There's no excuse today. With the U version, you can you can get you can download so many different devotions. Become a student of God's Word, and the more you put in of Jesus, the less the other stuff's going to be there. And listen to this part. The best thing is, when you're pouring it in, pouring it in, pouring it in, you know what God's going to do? He's going to start getting you to pour it out. You know, when you can't think of that address of that scripture, and you're standing there talking to Joe Blow, and he needs to hear a specific word, God's going to give it to you. He'll fill your mouth. But you got to put it in there before you can... (laughs) Can you hear me? you got to put it in before he can draw it out. But he can remind you of all things if you'll just do that. Back to Russell. He felt that this is key to not only changing a person struggling with addictions. Let me ask, does anybody here know anybody struggling with addictions? Family members, friends. How are they doing with that? Is it tearing our country up? I've, I've read it so much lately, it, it's, it, I almost avoid the articles anymore. It's epidemic, the struggles that people have. We wouldn't have three methadone clinics here in Gaylord if it were not epidemic. And I'm not knocking anybody that's on methadone. You know, that's a treatment for the other abuses of drugs, right? I'm not knocking it. If that's you, if you're on it, God bless you, but I hope that one day you can be delivered from it. Now, if you go to these places, they're not going to tell you that. They're going to say, oh, you can be on this your whole life. But I know from experience, you're not the same person when you're on the methadone or suboxone, whichever. I believe those are the two. You're You're not in your own right mind. You're a different person. And I know that from personal experience. God will help you. God will help you, but you've got to give him something to work with. Start pouring the word into you. Start getting into church as much as you can, etc. I personally feel much of the fighting that we see out there today is nothing but a smokescreen by the enemy that's intended to get our focus off the remedy. 
And the remedy, Dr. Jesus. He's the great physician. There's nothing he can't overcome. Is it easy? I never said it was. In fact, some of you, if you come to Dr. Jesus, you're not going to like what he tells you to do. But it's for your best. And if you do it, it'll give you the next thing to do until you're finally healed. As I see it, this was Russell's main point. If you can get people to change the way they think, meaning putting on the mind of Christ, then the evil will eventually be curbed. Why? Because we will all have the mind of Christ. Remember that scripture I shared earlier? It said Jesus didn't start fights. He didn't even bend a little reed. He was a peacemaker. And if we're all thinking like that, it's going to be a better place. You've heard this verse shared a lot lately. And the Holy Spirit said, share it again. <laughs> Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Poke your neighbor and say, you need to think like God. Now, reverse the finger and point it at yourself. I need to think like God. <laughs> you know that's true, right? And the Bible goes on to say, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. When you're in God's will, everything lines up. And you have peace. If you ain't got peace, something's wrong. What? Jesus brings peace that passes all understanding. Get the mind of Christ. Then you'll know God's perfect will for you. His perfect, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The world needs Jesus. The world needs a Savior. That Savior is none other than Jesus Christ, the only one who can help people to get set free from their sins, their addictions, and even death itself. I'll be honest, when I went to Jesus, it was because I was about to end my life. I'd had it. I'd given up. And I, I was in a very, very dark place. And when I went knocking on his door and I prayed that prayer that day, my life changed and not only did it change, all of a sudden a light popped out of me. All the junk that was in me prior to me knowing him as my personal Savior and Lord, all that junk, it just disappeared. I was different. I'm still different. And if you haven't taken that plunge, this wasn't supposed to be a salvation message. If you haven't taken that plunge, don't wait. It's one of those things where you'll go, why didn't I do that when I was like this tall? Why did I wait till I was 170? <laughs> Being a little facetious there. The sun sets you free. 
you are free. No better place to be. How many are free today because of Jesus? Hallelujah. Woohoo! Amen. Now I want to get to the point with the title. Developing a servant's heart. And, and I have a feeling this might lead into another week. I'm not sure yet. Russell spoke about everyone needs a spiritual change. He said, and I quote, and by spiritual change I mean the transition from one's life being predicated on self-fulfillment to a life predicated on service. Which for me, he said, is a moment-to-moment struggle. you got to understand, Russell is a movie star. They get paid really well. A lot more than pastors, a lot more than people that run uh, transportation services. They make good money. And he probably has servants that attend to his needs. And he said, the biggest struggle I have is learning to serve others. And I was like, wow. How many of us would admit we're failing in that area? We struggle too. Anybody? Or is it just me? Let's go back to the three things. Love God. Love people. Love to serve. And as, as I see it, listen, as I see it, most Christians, we've got this, the first two locked up pretty good. Love God, love people, right? We're good with this. But the last one, that love to serve thing, it's one of the most difficult for us to do. Why? Because our culture and I threw this word in, promulgates, you can look it up, the affluent lifestyles that say, whatever feels good, do it. Take care of your own needs first. Look out for number one, meaning me. But how many know that's the opposite of Christ's attitude? In Mark 10, there was a discussion amongst the Lord's disciples about who was going to be the greatest. And and some of them got really upset about this. My feeling is boys will be boys. We're always flexing our muscle. I can yell louder. I can squeeze your hand harder, Mac. Ow, man. I'm not going to mention the lady who just about crushed my hand the other day. Anyway, Jesus wanted his men to understand if they wanted to be great, They had to do it different than he did it, than than the world did it, excuse me. They had to do it like he did it. Beginning with Mark 10, verse 42, the NIV, and I've only got 43 up here, but just let me lead up to that. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. All right? In the world... If you're Donald Trump, you're expected to flex your muscle, to be the big bad guy, right? Now listen to Jesus' version. Not so with you, he said. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave. How many think that sounds really fun? The word slave is really taken on 
some bad connotations as of the last several decades for obvious reasons. But to be a slave to Christ is different. To be sold out to him, to call him master, it messes with a lot of people's minds today. I ain't calling nobody master. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Only one, Jesus. Because when you make him master, as his hired hand, you are going to be blessed. He won't mistreat you. He won't beat you up. You will be blessed beyond measure. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How many can say amen to that? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Then he passed that baton on to you and me, the church. Ephesians 6, 7 and 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So who are we serving? When you go down and you work in the food pantry, who are you serving? When you spend a Wednesday night in jail working with several females who need to hear the gospel, who are you serving? When you pass the offering bucket up and down the aisle, who are you serving? The woman that's out at guest service right now, who's she serving? The people that are in the nursery and in our children's ministry right now who miss many of them almost every Sunday because they're down there praising Jesus with your kids, teaching your kids about the Lord. Who are they serving? (laughs) I hope you get this. There are two things that we're going to take with us when we go to heaven. What's the first one? Look around. Now, we don't have any business in getting somebody saved. It's not our job. What's our job? Plant the seed and to water it, according to the Apostle Paul. We do those two things, God takes care of the rest. God brings the growth. People, souls are going to be in heaven as a direct result of us. Or are not going to be in heaven as a direct result, depending on, no, hopefully it's the first one. Second, (laughs) in this part, God has an economy. Rewards. You will not take the bank account that you have with Chemical Bank. That ain't going. When you die, unless you leave it for an inheritance to somebody, it's staying here. That ain't going with you. Hate to say this, you're not taking the fancy clothes you're wearing right now. Or the unfancy clothes, depending on who you are. It's just our spirit. But, reward. Jesus said the rewards will come from 
how you spend your life for him. Hmm, really? So my question to you, all of you today is, how are you spending your life? Some of you spend it more than others. Some of you are kind of hoarding things. You're not spending it on anybody but self. That's the Holy Spirit saying that, not me. I'm not looking at you saying, oh, you. That's not how I do that. But I know there are people here that have not come to grips with this yet. Similar to Russell. Go back and read Matthew 25. God says, as you give, it's going to be given to you. And you're going to get rich reward. But if you don't give, what's going to happen? Everything you have is going to be taken. Matthew 25, go back and read that chapter. You'll never be required to account for somebody else's talent, but you will be held accountable for what God has given you. Serving God and serving mankind is what Jesus came to do. He came to show us the way and Follow him means pick up your cross. Pick up your cross and follow him. When you pick up your cross, you're literally serving him. Luke 9, 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your what? What does it mean to be selfish? If everything you do If everything you do, you're doing to gain something for yourself, then you're being selfish. You should be thinking of ways to bless the Lord. You should be thinking of ways to bless each other. You know, there's sometimes, sometimes all it takes is a hug. How about a note? Have any of you ever given a note to somebody? God just inspired you to write a little, you know what, you are such a blessing to me and thank you for encouraging me, etc. And you give that to the person and they're just all lit up. You know, people hang on to those forever. A little note. It doesn't take much. Sometimes it's by the Holy Spirit's guidance dropping a 20 or a 50 into somebody's purse or their coat jacket pocket. Hopefully they find it. But And not, not needing notoriety, not, not needing that person go, oh, thank you so much. But letting God do the work there. Ain't to get to credit. Hmm. Really? How many have done that? You don't have to raise your hand. Pick up your cross and follow me is talking about serving others, giving of our lives for Jesus, just as he gave his for us. One last quote from Russell. He starts out with a famous quote. He says, every man who knocks on a brothel door, you know what that is, right? Every man, am I in church? He's talking about brothels? Every man who knocks on a brothel door He's looking for God, the quote said. 
And then Russell said, crack houses and these dens of suffering and illicit activity, they're all people. should underline that. They're all people trying to feel good, trying to feel connected. People are trying to escape. People are trying to get out of their own heads. I like that. To me, he said, this is a spiritual impetus. And I had to look that up. By impetus, he means it's a driving force. Why are these people doing drugs? It's a driving force. Why do we go after God? It's a driving force. He is nudging us. Come to me. Come to me. I can help you with this. Listen, we have the hope. Say that with me. We have the hope. You and I, are we getting our message out to the world? Do they know the love of God? Do they know of the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit? When should a new believer begin serving others? Immediately. Because you know why? Because what I have experienced is the more you serve, the less you think about the old man. That fun life, and I'm using that word facetiously, the dark life, the old life. Sometimes you can get drawn back to that, can't you? The devil reminds you, oh, remember when you went out and got so stoned that you didn't remember your name the next morning? (laughs) And then I think, yeah, but I also remember hanging my head over the toilet for like three hours. As I poisoned myself. We need to get the word out. There's hope. Jesus grabbed a bunch of fishermen and he turned them loose. I want you to know we're here to turn you loose. Go and serve your community in Jesus' name. Go and love your neighbor in Jesus' name. Go and minister to the drug addict, the prostitute, or the person in prison. In Jesus' name. As I begin to close, and even though I'm closing, that doesn't mean I'm done. No, I mean that. There's somebody that's going to speak briefly when I'm finished here. He thought that was funny. It is my prayer that we, the people of the hope, that we let our light shine and become a church or a people of acts of service in the name of Jesus. Because unless he's part of what you're doing, what you're doing is to no avail. But whatever you do in the name of Jesus, if you're doing it as unto him, there's going to be a reward. And you're filling your heavenly bank account. It's not always about the tithe. It's about the time. It's about the energy that you invest in people, some of you more than others. Can you think of one person today that could use a little encouragement that lives near you? Maybe a family member, a relative, a friend, a coworker. God has strategically put us in places where we can influence them and help lead them to the hope.
Jesus. God help us to get over ourselves and stop focusing on our own insatiable desires and start focusing on how we can reach our community with the good news of Jesus Christ. Praise his holy name. And as followers of Christ, you and I, we are the hope of this world. Amen. Amen. So, she's here. She's here. This spring, we would like to do a production. You heard a little bit about it a couple weeks ago. But, how many know in order to do a production, you need what? No, not people. You need what? Servers. Servers. Servants. People that are willing to invest, to commit to the practices, to the set design, to all the parts that they'll have to learn if, if they have speaking parts or singing parts. For this thing to work, we have to have servants, people that are sold out and are willing to spend themselves to the glory of God. Because listen, when we first had this pitch to us, as Vanessa and Pastor Tony came to me and my wife, I got so excited in the spirit, and the number that I, I saw heard was there are going to be 300 people that are going to give their hearts to the Lord during this production. Now, sometimes I move in the prophetic. Maybe that was from the Lord. Only time will tell if, if I'm a false prophet or a real prophet. I hope I'm not the former. But I asked her, I said, Vanessa, could you just come up and just share some highlights about this and get to people supercharged about it and try to get them convinced that this is a good thing because I really feel like if we can pull this together, so many of us, since we uh, started talking about this, have heard from other believers in our community, oh, we need something like that. Let me know when it is. I think we're going to be packed out. We're going to have to do at least a few, if not four or five nights. So Vanessa, would you come and just share from your heart what this, what this play is that God has given you and... Uh, what you'd like to impress on us today. Everybody give Vanessa a warm welcome. Well, I had written down, so I would, you know, make sure I keep it brief and amazing. <laughs> but you stole a lot of my opening, so I got to improvise. <laughs> it's okay. Well, as you all know, you know, we are putting on the spring production, and I am so excited. Um, the Lord had me write the screenplay, I'm talking, like, years ago. I had uh, read a book by Max Lucado. I don't know if, if, if any of you read the book. It's called um, An Angel Story. It used to be called The Cosmic Angel, and it was about the birth of Jesus Christ, all told by the heavenly realm's perspective. Well, after I read it, I was so on fire. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I can so see this being a play. 
And, and all of a sudden, I sat down, and I literally felt the Holy Spirit just go, and it wasn't just about his birth. It was about his death and resurrection, all told through the heavenly realm's perspective. And, by and I just wrote the synopsis. And by the time I was done, I was weeping. I was just so excited. Um, so the Lord wanted me to entitle it, and the angels were silent because there was a scene during his um, death where God turns his back and his angels turn his back and all the whole heavenly realms go silent. And then you hear the ting of the nails and then Jesus saying, it is finished. So this play has got a profound message. I know it's going to be powerful and I know it's going to be effective for God's kingdom because he wrote it. <laughs> um, I just wanted to... It, it has a little bit of singing and dancing. And when I say dancing, I don't want people to think, oh, that excludes me. There's an opening scene where we're doing a glow-in-the-dark stick stomp dance. Anybody can do that. And there's a scene where Satan celebrates that Jesus is dead, and we're just going to do a little kind of dance number as his party. So it's just simple stuff, but yet I think it's going to be profound. As I've been bathing this, prayer, this play in uh, prayer, I'm sorry, I'm nervous, um, the Lord gave me a word. And I'm like, ooh, it's kind of a hard word, Lord, I got to give that. <laughs> he said, yes, this is the word. But before I give the word, I just want to say, I have come to know this body is full of gifted people. I am so shocked and so excited of how many gifted people are in here. And the Lord gave me Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and that's the parable of the talents. I used to take and know that that was talking about finances, right? But years ago, the Lord said, no, I'm also talking about gifts and talents that I have given people. And if we don't use them, then we'll become like the wicked servant who buries them. And does nothing with it. Or we can be like the other two servants and we can use them, work it, and then it multiplies. So the word that the Lord gave me, he says, my people have been so busy with earthly things. He says, not that that's bad, but they're so focused on their earthly things that they forget to be about my father's business. And when I heard that, I'm just like, because oh, I'm guilty of that too. And then he reminded me of what someone used to tell me that I thought was very wise. He says, just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. So we always need to bathe everything that we put our hands to, obviously, in prayer. Because we forget why we're here. I, I, really, I really do, because I do. I forget why we're here. We're here to be always about our Father's business. And I believe that this play that he has written for such a time as this is for us to be about the Father's business because it's about the lost souls that I know that I know that I know that he's going to bring in. 
And this is an open invitation. I wish I could, I know a lot of people work better with personal invitations, but this is my personal invitation to each and every one of you. There's, there, there's, there's got to be a place for everybody. I just know there is. If, if you don't want to be on stage and you want to be a background, I need background people. So I have a sign-up sheet. And these are the characters that I still need, which <laughs> I still need my main characters. <laughs> and we got to have a play for that. All right, so I need God, who he needs to sing. I need a Jesus. I need a warrior angel, Gabriel, who needs to sing. Another warrior angel, Zareel. I need more choir people who can sing. I need a demon warrior. And I need some extra demons for the scene one and for the, the Satan scene hair and makeup people, and people who does sound, and of course, last but certainly not least, I really have a heart's desire of wanting this play to be bathed in prayer. So I need some prayer support team, and if that's all you feel you can do, hey, that's the best thing that you could do, and I'd appreciate it. Um, I had to push back the practices. The practice will always be on Mondays um, from 6 to 9 p.m., and there's a few Saturdays. I have also the calendars out there with the dates and stuff so you guys can already know ahead of time what the schedule is going to look like. Um, the first practice is going to be February 5th from 6 to 9. And uh, so I just wanted to, to say that if you're feeling right now tugged, on your heart, well, obviously that's the Holy Spirit saying you need to do this. <laughs> Please sign up. I really would like you to be a part of something that's going to be amazingly, that's going to change people's life for eternity, and that's what this is really about. It's not about us. It's about them. So, thank you. So you're going to be out there right after service as the people are feeling the fire and the conviction of the Holy Spirit to go and talk to you. Ten scenes, but you won't be required to be here at each scene. It, wherever your part is, it might be two or three scenes, but you won't be expected to be here all ten weeks, uh, depending on the role that you take on. But thank you, Vanessa. Amen. She, is, she and her husband are, are both such uh, eloquent speakers, and I appreciate that. I believe this is of the Lord. However, it takes all of us to make this thing work. And if this is going to work, we need you to serve. Um, that's one plug. The second, immediately following today's service, we have uh, ushers, greeters, guest service people, and security team people meeting in the children's room for lunch about 45 minutes. Most of you should have already gotten that invite. If you're interested in any of those areas and you don't have lunch plans, right down there today, another great place to serve, ushers, greeters, uh, security, and uh, guest service people. We need people to love on those that come into our church. I said last week, I almost said this is going to be a like normal Sunday and it never seems to happen that way. God has a plan. And how many know that's a good thing? He is driving this church right now. And I believe we have an opportunity to partner with him in so many different ways. 
And I sure hope that many of you, many of you are feeling that call, that tug right now. Would you bow your heads with me just for a minute? Lord, we ask today just, just to cement this to our, our, our soul, our spirit today, Lord. Just help us, if we're not already there, Lord, just to begin to commit our lives to you, to dedicate ourselves to spending what you've given us on your Father's business, on kingdom principles and kingdom uh, things that you want to see done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray for everyone that's within hearing of my voice today that you would bless them richly, but Lord, that they would take those blessings and those resources and that they would use them to honor you, to bring in the lost, Lord, and to minister to them. We need you, Lord. And I pray just a mighty outpouring on our body, on our community. Lord, help us as we go out into public. Help us to reach out to the, the hurting, the lost. Help us to let our light shine. But most important, Lord, help us to keep our relationship strong with you, first and foremost. Lord, just pour yourself into us even more than you did yesterday, Lord. We need you. Have your way with us. Now keep us safe in our coming and our going. Uh, bless the lunchtime for the volunteers. And uh, again, we pray that you would bless this production as you see fit. We ask this all in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I hope you have a great week. Oh, Wednesday night, is he Brother Andrew, uh, he went to Jerusalem this last fall. And he had a thousand pictures. He's condensed them to about a hundred and he is going to take us on a little journey. So if you come back Wednesday night at 7, you're going to get to see where Jesus walked and hear some of the amazing testimonies that this man has that God, as God moved in his life over there. So come on back Wednesday at 7, and we also have youth and children that night. So God bless you.